Hello, everybody. It's Michael Martin. Thanks for being here. Happy Wednesday. So when you're trying something new, you're going to have to face your fears, right? And that's a hard thing to do. That's why sometimes you can be stuck with the indecision. If you're trying to trade a new pattern, if you're trying to add a new asset class that you're going to manage the risk for, or if you're going to make an allocation to another person. So it all comes down to risk management. If you are trying to trade options and you're just having come from, you know, trading the underlying, you know, it's a very different world. Because not just are you trading the direction, you're trading the volatility, right? So that's a whole other thing to get used to. Now, you have to say to yourself, when I try to do this, I'm effectively opening a new business. So what startup capital am I going to put towards this new endeavor? Because it's not about, do I start this, try it, start making money right away? And if I do, that shows me evidence that I'm onto something. It could be completely random, right? Same thing is that, you know, you put in 10K, you lose it all. Doesn't mean you're an idiot. You know, when, when big marketers are starting paid campaigns, you know, the first three months of what they're allocating to their ad spend isn't to try to convert per se. It's really to get the data and to eliminate what doesn't work so they can preclude that from their audience choices and maybe choosing between one scumbag from the other, Twitter versus Facebook, you know, at the end of the day. So in your mind, don't make it unrealistic. Your goal, if you're trying to add a new asset class or a new trading style or adding a new chart pattern, in the beginning, it's not about making money, which seems counterintuitive and probably counteremotional. It's like, if you say stuff like, well, that doesn't make sense, you're an intellectual person because you should know at this point that trading solves emotional needs for people, not necessarily intellectual ones. And when it is intellectual, it's a small piece of it because once you figure that part of it out, you can replicate it for 30 years. So then you're going to have to go do, you know, the Sunday Magazine, New York Times Magazine crossword puzzle if you want more intellectual endeavor. Because then the goal becomes, can you replicate your discipline day after day after day, right? So the intellectual part is, is now something that you've cauterized, you can compact and pack up. And then it becomes a function of your emotional constitution. And can you, do you have the discipline to do it day after day after day? But in the beginning, if you're trying something new, you have to say, well, this is a startup. This, therefore, is seed capital. What I make or lose is not really deterministic of anything. It's really to get a feel for the new way of trading, the new chart pattern, to see how, that, how it ebbs and flows. You know, what are the inflection points? What are the buyers and sellers? If you go back to Monday's episode, what are the buyers and sellers doing in this particular scenario? All right, if I'm in that big green bar of GameStop and now I'm looking at the options there too attached, what am I, what's that crowd doing? Because they're related, but it's not necessarily the same. So you can take a lot of pressure off yourself by not coming up with, you know, unreasonable expectations jumping out of the gate. Some people are quick out of the gate. Some people are, you know, late bloomers. It doesn't mean one's better than the other. It's just part of the process. And so much of it comes to your environment, your environment from when you were younger and the environment that you're in right now. So I wouldn't psych myself out of doing anything just because you made or lost money. You know, I would absolutely temper my enthusiasm if you took a 5K, you know, options account, if you're newer, 
or if you even you know have boatloads of cash and you put a million bucks into an option strategy, you know making ten percent, um, it it it's hard to determine looking backwards if you're reverse engineering the whole process why the thing, why you made money, right? Of course, guys being guys want to just be like, dude, of course I made money. That's what I do. That's what we do. Somehow you are now we. So take your chances and know what you're willing to commit because, um, you know, on a per instrument basis, you know, you're really kind of trading to the point where you can sleep at night and realize that just like for the paid traffic campaigns for online marketers, you're really looking to get the data for the first couple of months, right? And even that's really too short when you think of it in the grand scheme of things, when you think of it and conjugate it to market cycles. When the, you're in a raging bull market and people are, you know, throwing money at stuff, sure, you can harvest a ton of cash, but that's a moment in time, right? That's uh, Michael Jackson's thriller, right? Know those Grammys. But there's other times when you are a songwriter, like who's a really good songwriter that hasn't been recognized necessarily by Grammy Awards would be like a Diane Warren, right? She's written songs that I know that you know that you might not even know she wrote, and she has only one Grammy. David Foster has 16 Grammys. Another songwriter, right? Then you look at some recording artists who have Grammys, and you're like, how does this person, they can't even speak English. How are they, you know, how are they singing these songs with lyrics that are otherwise kind of stupid and banal, but they have the awards? So I think trading is the same way. A lot of it is how you make your money can be defined probably a million different ways. But it's all unique to you, and that's the beauty of it, is that if you have something that you can do that's tied to your mo your emotional makeup and your DNA, so to speak, and a small bit of intellectual capacity, then you have your own little private formula for Coca-Cola. So celebrate that. It doesn't have to look like everybody else's. And if you're comfortable at the level where you're at with your own money, but you have more cash to deploy, then you need to pick up the phone and start calling people and say, I'd like to try something. I'm going to put in a couple million bucks. And if we're down 200K, then I'll know we either have bad timing or bad luck or you, you know, it's not working out. You could also start small and ramp up. So then you can kind of act as a pool operator for your own situation. And then everyone's at a good comfort level. You have a, an amount of capital that you're running for yourself, after which point you're not really comfortable running more. It might be too much risk for you. And that too much risk for you might cause you to do things that are outside your temperament. You might start losing sleep. You might have increased anxiety. You might have... Right, But that's also something that you can work on by starting small and just saying, okay, for the first three, four, five, six months, I'm going to try this out and see how it feels. And it's not about what we make or lose necessarily. It's about the environment. It's about our ecology, our working relationship. Overall, does one plus one equal three and above? Or even 2.2, right? Because that's alpha. Um, so there's a lot of ways to kind of, to approach that. 
and I think it's good if you map it out and you plan it and say, okay, here's what I want the next two years to look like. I am going to endeavor try, you know, trading exotic currencies. Why? Well, because in the G5, interest rates are zero, so there's no carry trades. But I have to go outside into some exotics to find yield. So I have to face that down with a decent amount of trepidation and make sure that maybe you just do it, you know, dollar for dollar, so to speak, or dollar for zloty without any type of leverage, just so that you can get a feel, put the leverage on after. If you're endeavoring options, you're going to have an interesting education to learn how to trade the vol around puts and calls. If you're a directional person, or if you want to try to trade vol expansion or vol crushes, there's a whole world of that too that you can do with options that you can't really do with the underlines themselves. Those are really good things to learn. They're very interesting. But you start that saying, okay, here's, uh, you know, I'm going to risk, you know, 1% of my overall capital to this. And if I lose it all, I know that I'm going to walk away with some tactics. I'm going to learn firsthand what works, what doesn't work intellectually maybe, but I'm certainly going to learn what buttons are getting pushed from my own trading, right? So that's uh, two, you're really of two minds, just as an aside over here, I'm going to go on a small tangent. Say you're a breakout trader and you had your bets placed for GameStop, right, to get in at that breakout. Same thing with Tesla. You had breakouts around 500. So you're sitting there either watching it with a mental stop. Maybe you have an alert on your machine or maybe you've actually put an order in the trader's book to, with a buy stop with or without a limit to get all or part of what risk unit you were going to put on. Options traders think in the same way. So they have, you know, say they're call buyers and they, their expectation is that people have been at home and somehow GameStop's going to benefit from the pandemic and the quarantining. Call, call buyer could do stuff, you know, obviously in the money, at the money, out of the money. So just when you, a breakout trader, are getting filled, the option trader is seeing the vol blow up. Gamma's a, an issue, right? And then everything gets amplified. So just when you're getting in and or you know, maybe even adding to another risk unit or adding into getting towards your optimal risk unit, the option buyer, the option call buyer, is probably going to try to capture a lot of that volatility and liquidate all or part of their position, right? Because it's a different type of a trade, but you're, both people are bullish on the underlying. Now, we can go on a million other tangents in this conversation, I'm aware of that. But I'm just making a simple example for those of you that are, you know, you know, the Sean McLaughlin's of the world, right? That's a whole other bowl of wax. And so I'm just making a point here. I'm not trying to say it's definitive because it's not. But you get to try it on for Sean's a good friend of mine, too. Love the guy. So um, at the end of the day, you, you are trying to find something that makes for a good fit because ideologically you have to be aligned, but also... You have to be aligned emotionally and psychologically with that. So you put yourself into two different mindsets at the same time. So you might find that there's an inner conflict on that because your behavior has to be different. And that's why I have mentioned once before that it's very difficult for one person to be, a, you know, three different types of traders. 
if they're purely systematic, it might be something that they can do, but they don't start that way on day one. They can evolve to it for sure, but most folks do not start that way. Anyway, um, that's all I have for you today. If you haven't gotten a free copy of the audiobook version of The Inner Voice of Trading, you can go get it for free at Martin Chronicle. It's on me, and thank you for being here. I'll see you tomorrow.